Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real life Christian church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. And so today I want to look at the third part, bold believing prayer. I call this pray bold, pray believing, and what it means to be bold in prayer. Now, bold prayer is not necessarily what I'd call courageous prayer. What is courage? For there to be courage, there has to be something to fear. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's a true statement. For there to be courage, there's got to be something that, that, that you fear. And boldness is courage in part, but it's more. It's so much more. In prayer, there's a world of difference between a bold prayer and a sheepish prayer. Let me give an example of a sheepish prayer. Oh God, I'm, I'm such a sinner. I don't know if you want to do this for me. That would be a sheepish prayer. See, that irritates me. Oh God, I'm such a sinner, I don't know if you want to do this for me. I don't know if it irritates God, it irritates me. I mean, he said that that's what I call a wimp's prayer. Or, oh, I guess it's right to pray about this, so I guess I'll pray. But you have no confidence that God's either listening or wants to answer. You know, I see a bold prayer. A bold prayer is um, Psalm 44. Psalm 44, verse 23. Awake, O Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Wake up, Lord. I mean, I, that, that's a bold prayer. A bold prayer is knowing the God you pray to. Again, a bold prayer is knowing the God you pray to. Abraham knew his God. I think Genesis 18 is kind of a neat story. Abraham knew his God. In Genesis 18, we see the Lord, the Jesus Christ of the New Testament, appearing as a man, and he does that about eight or ten times in the Old Testament. And in this case, in Genesis 18, he comes with two men who are angels, and angels have the limited supernatural power to appear as men of God so desires. Let me say that again. Angels have the limited supernatural power to appear on earth as men if God so desires. And so you've got the Lord, the second person of the Trinity, and you've got these two angel men coming. And the Word of God says in Genesis 18:1, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre when he was sitting at the entrance to the tent in the heat of the day. So there's Abraham sitting at the tent. Hot day. Abraham looked up, and he saw three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, listen to what he did. He hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them, and he bowed low to the ground. Now, why did he bow low to the ground? Because he recognized one of those guys. Because back in Genesis 12, 3, that very same man appeared to him and said, Abraham, I want you to leave everything and go where I will lead you. And he knew that man to be the Lord. And so Abraham bowed in worship before him because he knew who that was. And so, verse 16, Genesis 18, when the men got up to leave, they looked down toward Sodom. And Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. And then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do in Sodom? And Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations on the earth will be blessed through him, for I have chosen him. And so what the Lord says here is, Abraham is key in my plans. He's key in my plans for Israel and for the world, and he needs to know my plans about Sodom, and so he told him. And besides, Abraham's nephew Lot lived in Sodom, along with Lot's wife and his two daughters. And so now the angel men leave, and Abraham is there alone, with the Lord. And this is verse 22 of Genesis 18. The men turned away and went toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. 
Then Abraham approached him and said, now listen to this. Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Let me say that again. Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Now listen, will not the judge of all the earth do what's right? That is bold, man. That is almost in your face, God, but in a really good way. See, Abraham knew his God to be a just God and a righteous God. He said, you're just going to wipe out the whole city? I mean, what if there's 50 righteous people in that city who don't practice the sins of Sodom, who love you and obey you? I mean, what if there's 50 righteous people? I mean, that's not justice. Far be that from you, Lord, will not, listen to this, will not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, verse, um, verse 26, the Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I'll spare the whole place for their sake. Now listen to this, then Abraham spoke up again, now that I've been so bold, so as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for the sake of 45 or because of 45? And he goes down from 45 to 40. A lot of you know this story, to 30, to 20, finally to 10, man. I mean, he knew his God. I mean, he knew this God who said, he knew who at one time said, leave your home and go or I will lead you and I'll get you there and I'll take care of you. And that happened. He knew he was a just God and he knew his just God would do the right thing and Abraham told him that. He knew him to be a merciful God and he pushed the envelope of God's mercy. 50. How about 45? How about 40? How about 30? How about 20? How about 10? See, that's bold prayer. Sometimes, folks, you've got to understand your God is a merciful God. He is a merciful God. And in your prayer life, and God will honor this. I, I believe he loves this. And in your prayer life, you've got to push the envelope of God's mercy. Now, I, sometimes I wonder why he didn't take it down to four, Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. But see, that was a bold, believing prayer. Abraham trusted his God to answer this prayer the right way, and Abraham told him that very thing. Will not the judge of all the earth do what? Do what's right. You know, I can see Jesus or the Lord. He's listening, stand there, listening to Abraham. You know, 50. He says, hey, hit me again. That's a blackjack term. <laughs> hit me again, Abraham. 45. Hit me again. 40. Hit me again. 30. Hit me again. 20. Hit me one more time. 10. I mean, appeal to my love. Appeal to my mercy. Go for it, man. You know, I really believe the Lord loved that prayer. I, I think he's standing there just eating this whole thing up. Go for this, baby. Come on. You know, like Abraham, we know a lot about God. But I want to dwell on one aspect of who God is today. God is faithful. And that means if he gives a promise in his word, the Lord is bound by that promise. Any promise God makes in his word, if God does not fulfill that promise, if God does not honor that promise, that would be contrary to his very nature. Now, you've got to get this. If God, if God says, I'm going to be faithful to my word, and I'm going to honor every promise I've made in that word, and he doesn't do it, that would be contrary to his nature, and he therefore would not be God. And we can all go home. But God is faithful. He is faithful. And there's a lot of passages that speak to the faithfulness of God. Man, we could go on with this thing, but I just picked one, Psalm 145. And this is verse 13, Psalm 145, verse 13. The second half, verse 13, Psalm 145. Listen to this. I mean, God wrote this. I didn't write this, folks. You've got to understand, God wrote this. He wants us to know this. The Lord is faithful to all his promises, 
and loving to all he has made. The Lord is faithful to all his promises. See that? The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. If you don't believe that, I mean, if you wouldn't stake your all on that promise, that the Lord is faithful to all his promises, then your prayers are going to lack something big time. So I want to look at a few promises of God. Like Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given. You seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open unto you. One more time. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it's going to be open unto you. And I pray every day that God, listen, here's what I pray every single day. Well, six days a week. I didn't this morning, but I do six days a week. I pray every day that God who knows every terrorist plot being plotted will turn it back on their heads. I pray that every day. And I pray that, listen, I, I pray every day that God would stop the lies from devils that go into these terrorist minds so it makes no sense to kill and destroy. And, and, I, you know, and, and I pray that they cry out for a forgiving, loving God. I pray that every day. And I know yeah, that, that, that me, uh, one person, uh, just about a nobody from Shelby Township, Michigan, has done a lot in keeping terrorism in this land in check. I mean, listen to this promise. This, I mean, this just gets so good. First John. Again, you've got to understand, when I read these passages, man, I, 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 had no, I didn't write these. I just read them. I, just, I read them, and I think about them, and I talk about them. I mean, 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. You've got to be confident in approaching God, that if we ask anything, now here's the big deal, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, man, this is powerful. We know that we have what we asked, as long as it's in keeping with his will. Now, here's the big deal about that Bible passage. When you pray and your will lines up with God's will, what did God just say? When you pray and your will lines up with God's will, what did God say? You got it. You have it. Your will lines up with God's will. It is yours. Why wouldn't I pray? I mean, that's quite, God's going way out in a limb there. So how do I know God's will? It's right in this book, man. The Bible is God's will revealed to us. That's why I study the word and pray at the very same time, because what I'm going to do, and I do this every day, is I pray this word back to God. I, sometimes I put it in my own words, but I pray it right back to God, because this is his revealed will. You know, I pray this word right back to God. I pray for you. I pray for me. I pray for whatever the Holy Spirit leads me to pray for. And I think, man, what an honor to pray like that. And I look for answers, and I expect answers. And why do I expect answers? Because I got a promise right in this book that says, if I line my will up with the word of God, we know we have what we ask for. And I know that God in his heaven hears me. He's answering because I'm praying in his will. That's a tremendous promise. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Look at Philippians 4, 6. I mean, I just want to pick out some of the most precious promises, at least to me, in the Bible. Philippians 4, verse 6. It says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, here's the promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all our understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Sometimes you are so confused and so messed up and, and, and you lack peace so much. 
And the word of God says that, you know, if you pray for that peace, God will give you that peace. I mean, doesn't that ever happen to you? I mean, you say, Lord, I am so tired of thinking about this. I am so tired of worrying about this. Here, take this. And then he moves you the right direction. He starts opening the right doors, we say, and closing the wrong doors. And you're going the direction you have to go because you finally said, here, take this. And there really is a supernatural peace in your heart, man. I've experienced that a lot because that is the promise of God. The Holy Spirit works peace in your heart according to that very promise. And on and on and on the promises go, man. If you confess your sins, man, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins. I mean, you know and believe your sins are forgiven because Christ paid for a man. And, and you make that promise your own and you don't carry a load of guilt. And you don't say, God, forgive me for this 15 or 20 times over. You trust that that sin is forgiven and you go on with life. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We need to park on this one a little bit. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, and God is faithful. There it is again. God is faithful to his promises. Listen to this. He will not let you be tempted or tested. That word means tested. He will not let you be tempted or tested beyond what you can bear. Isn't that good? God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted and or tested, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. God is faithful. He will not let you be tested beyond what you can bear. What does that mean? It means God knows your limit, right? It means God's watching you. It means he's watching you. He knows what's coming at you and he knows your limit and he won't let Satan or demons or anybody give you more than you can bear. Let me say that again. God knows what's coming at you. He knows your limit, and he will limit Satan, demons. He'll limit anybody because he knows what you can bear. Now, here's what he's watching you. Now, here's what that means. If you're still going through it, now think of the logic here. If you're still going through it, I know you want it out of your life, but if you're still going through it, and God says he won't give you more than you can bear, what does that mean? You can bear it. You can still bear it. You haven't reached your limit. And here's what else this may mean. It may get worse. You're going through it right now. You want this thing gone. It may get worse. Why? Because God knows your limit. God knows exactly how much you can bear. And here's, here, here's, here's what it goes on to say. But when you are tested, he will provide a way out and you can stand up under it. That's a great promise. See, I see myself in a tunnel. Here's how, here's how I look at this passage. I see myself in a tunnel of trial. The tunnel of testing and trial. But in that tunnel with me is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and he's got me by the hand, and he's leading me through this tunnel, through it, but also out of it, see? Because the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 13, he knows the way out. He will provide the way out, and he's leading you and me out. See, right now, you've got to think like this. You're in the tunnel, but he's got you by the hand, and maybe you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but he knows where this is going and he's taking you out. And right now as you're going through it, folks, I need to tell you, you're on the way out. You're on the way out. He's got you. See, that almost makes me want to go through trials, man, I'll tell you. Not really, but almost. <laughs> to walk through those tunnels with my Lord and be amazed, excuse me, as he leads me out. I mean, we sing a praise song, Lord, I'm amazed by you. Now, I remember times when I was so disgusted with myself. Haven't you ever been disgusted with yourself, with your own weakness? And the Lord showed me, man. He showed me. He showed me, hey, man. Well, he didn't say, hey, man, something like that. He said, you're still mine. You have the righteousness of my son. That's what I see in you. You're mine. I have great plans for you, see? 
I mean, you were on a tunnel at one time or another, and God gave you, and, and God never, never gave you more than you could bear. Never gave you more than you could bear. And you're here, and your life is cool. Yeah. See what's happened? You've experienced, you have experienced God's faithfulness. I mean, you have a history of God being faithful. And so no matter what's going on, man, you have every reason to hold on to God's promises and believe them because you have a history of God leading you. And man, you hold on to God's promises and you believe him. You believe God is faithful. You pray believing. You pray our memory work for today. This is your memory passage. Psalm 69, 13. This is a biggie too. This helps us understand a lot. Psalm 69, 13. But I pray to you, O Lord, put a period there. NIV is a comma. Other Bibles have a period. But I pray to you, O Lord, period, capital letter, capital I, in the time of your favor, in your great love, answer me with your sure deliverance or salvation. Let me read that again. But I pray to you, O Lord. So David writes, now, he says, in the time of your favor, in your great love, answer me with your deliverance. In the time of your favor, what's that mean? The time of God's favor is the exact time, the right time. He will act. You say, Lord, here's my prayer. Now, in the time of your favor, deliver me. See, you're leaving it up to God. He's got the right time, the exact right time. And you see what you do, folks, is you hold on to that for dear life. If you're praying for something and the situation keeps getting worse, what do you do? You keep praying, you keep trusting, trusting that in the time of God's favor, it will happen and he may surprise you the way he works it out. But I want to tell you something. He will amaze you. He will amaze you. Lord, I'm amazed by you. See, we need to approach, see, we need to approach the word of God in prayer like that. Father, fa Father, by the Holy Spirit. You need to approach God's word like that. Father, by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. Show me in this word the promises you want me to hang on to. Father, but do you ever pray like that? Father. Right now, I need your promises. I need something to hold on to. Father, by your spirit, guide me in this word to the promises that you want me to hang on to. And then here's what you do. You say that promise to yourself out loud all day. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. You keep saying it out loud, okay? Like he will not give you more than you can bear. But with the testing, he will provide the way out. I mean, you're walking around saying that. He won't give me more than I can bear with testing to provide the way out. I mean, you tell yourself that. Or the peace of God will keep your heart and mind with Christ Jesus. Or all things really do work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And you tell yourself, do I love God? Yes. Am I called according to his purpose? Absolutely. So guess what? Logically, God's word, God's promise, all things really are going to work together for my good. It's going to happen. Man, you got to preach it yourself like that. Bold, believing prayer. Why? Why can we be bold like that? Because God tells us to be bold. That should be enough. Hebrews 4. Why can you pray boldly? Because God, well, we just read it too in 1 John 5. This is our confidence. You approach the God when you line up with his will, he's going to give it to you. This is our confidence. Hebrews 4, man, you've got to mark or mark this. Hebrews 4, 16. <laughs> this is so good, and I don't do this. Like I should, like I could. Know what I'm missing? Verse 16, Hebrews 4. Let us then approach 
the throne of grace. Don't you love that? The throne of grace. Not a throne of an angry God. You're his child. This is the throne of grace. The throne of grace. How do you approach it? With what? Confidence. Confidence. You're going before Almighty God. And you're hanging on to the coattails of Jesus Christ as his child, see? And you approach that throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Man, that just, I don't need to preach on that. I will, but <laughs> you approach the throne of grace and you're confident because now at this throne of grace, what are you going to find? Mercy and help in time of need. I didn't write that. Good grief, I didn't write that. I don't write this stuff. Folks, you've got to begin thinking like, like, like kids, like children. I mean, God is our Father. What did you say? Our, pray like this, didn't he? Our Father who art in heaven. I mean, Jesus told us to pray like that. Children go to their father and ask for dad to make this happen. Think like that. I mean, think like that. Um, think like a child who the father loves, who the father welcomes into his throne of grace to offer mercy and help in the time of need. He drops what he's doing. He listens. He takes time for you. He wants to bless you. You got to think like that. Now, listen, I am not naive. I, I, I know that not everybody here is going to heaven. If you died tonight, you wouldn't go to heaven. This sounds pretty inviting to you, doesn't it? Um, to be God's child and to be able to go before that throne of grace and come to him like a child to a dear loving father. And, 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 and you, you can be that. That's what I need to say right now. You can be that. You can be his child too. I mean, you need to go like, you, 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 you need to admit, folks, to, to be that child, to have that child-father relationship, you need, to, you need to go before God and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I've been playing this really stupid game, you know, thinking I'm good enough, and now I'm ready to give that up. I'm ready to rest on Christ alone, see? And when you do that, you become his child. And you can think like a child. See, Abraham did that. He was bold. He had a relationship with this Lord. A relationship with this Lord. It wasn't religion, man. It was relationship. I mean, he could approach the Lord who was standing right there, and he could say, hey, Lord, I'm confused. You're a just God, and you're going to destroy Sodom and my nephew Lot and his family included, you know. And you're going to destroy the righteous with the unrighteous? Something says, Lord, Lord something, something doesn't jive here. You know, the, the, the math doesn't add up. Something's wrong here, Lord. Come on. Surely the judge of all the earth will do what's right. And he said, Lord, this is who you are. Call this bold. You know what he's saying? He was saying, Lord, this is who you are. Now be who you are. Would you pray like that? Like Abraham? Lord, this is who you are. Now, be who you say you are. Now, I believe God loves that boldness. Now, too, now, 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 there's a way to claim the promises of God, and there's a way not to claim the promises of God. Well, let me tell you the way not to claim the promises of God. Here's what you don't do. Brother Tom, Sister Laura, I have laid my hands on you. I have prayed for your healing. I have anointed you with oil. Brother Tom, Sister Laura, you are healed. Now claim your healing. Claim the promises of God. That's arrogant. It's totally arrogant. That makes God your servant. Makes God your lackey. 
But you can do a Hebrews 4, baby. I'll tell you, man. You, you can pull off a Hebrews 4. You can come confidently, boldly to God, your Father, to his throne of grace, Hebrews 4, 16, and say confidently, Father, I'm your child. This is how you claim the promise of God. Father, I am your child. You come as a child to a loving Father. And I know you love me. I know you can do anything because that's what this word of God tells me. But how you do it and when you do it and where you do it, that's your call, Father, not mine. That's the right way to claim a promise of God. Folks, would you pray your dreams? That's bold. Pray your dream. Pray your hurts. Tell God what's going on in here. And when you do this, you've got to pray specifically bold prayer in this sense. You're my God. I'm your child. Here's my heart. Believing prayer. Listen, if you're a believer, you belong to God, your Father. You've you got to know this. You've got you to own this, folks. Jesus paid a great price for you, and the Father loves and adores you because of his Son. Bring him the desires of your heart boldly, and trust beyond all trust, he will do what's right because he is faithful, and believe he will do it in the time of his favor the right time. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, May God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.